Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to our Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 277. Stacey, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I decided to leave my beard extra scruffy today because, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are big fans of your work, but you think your beard is whack as fuck, so I figured I'd give you a little, uh, a little boost there. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, love hearing about how whack my beard is. Um, you know, I it's just something I'm going to have to Your beard needs to pass the Cam Reddish more. That's yeah, I, uh, I need to step up my beard game, I guess, is really the takeaway from all of this. Um, no, this was uh, obviously we're going to talk a lot about it, but what a great week of Knicks basketball uh, culminating in what was pretty epic victory last night. Um but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. You can subscribe to it. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. Please give us a follow on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel. Um, you may or may not be watching this podcast on YouTube. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Furthermore, the Strickland has merchandise, new merchandise that dropped, uh, and there's even more to come. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts, sweatpants, hats, you name it, we got it. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week. Hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag. There are further... Sorry. Finally, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll My Solo Pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the Knicks capped off what was just an epic week of, of victories. Really, they, they capped off the start and the end of the week with victories over Boston. Yesterday, they win in double overtime, 131-129, after winning in Miami uh, on just an insane shot from Julius Randle with about one second left in the game uh, to win that 122-120. So a couple of two-point victories on the road against, uh, you know, historic rivals for the Knicks. Um, I, I don't even know where to start, but I, I got to say, like, I yesterday was fun for many reasons. And one of those reasons, 100%, was that Emmanuel quickly just ball the fuck out. Um, no Jalen Brunson yesterday. You're at Boston. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I know that Robert Williams wasn't out wasn't out there last night and Brogdon was out. But um 
the Knicks were out Jalen Brunson. So I, this was just he he absolutely dropped his fucking nuts on national TV for the whole country to see, and he was awesome. He was spectacular at crucial stages of the game, and he wasn't alone. Uh, it, it, it has to be said, like. I thought RJ Barrett was awesome last night. That's probably the best game he's played this year. Um, just in terms of full focus, both ends of the floor, the entire game, thought he was really, really good. And I thought his play to start the game was huge for the Knicks to just kind of keep pace with the Celtics, who came out pretty hot. Um, and they were crushing the Knicks on the glass to start the game. Um, and... You know, obviously Randall had a lot of turnovers yesterday, but I thought he played a pretty solid game. wasn't as, wasn't a great game for Julius, but that says more about like how great he's been this year. But again, just again, it, it just can't say enough about how good Emmanuel quickly was in the absence of Jalen Brunson last night. Um, and again, like the Knicks, it's been a problem position for the Knicks historically, right? Point guard has not been kind to them. And they have two, they have an, a guy who probably should have made an all-star team in Jalen Brunson at that point. And they have a backup who, I mean, Tibbs, is, Tibbs calls him a starter, right? Like, even though he comes off the bench, that, that he showed last night exactly why me, you, and so many people, uh, you know, so many Knicks fans on Twitter and elsewhere um, have been banging the, the drum for this kid going back to his rookie season, but especially at the end of last year and why we wanted him to start. And um, obviously, you know, Jalen Brunson comes in, and that's fine. But, like, you know, Emmanuel Quickly is a fucking stud in his own right. And um, he, he's I'm happy to see him getting the credit that he deserves on a national stage now uh, because those guys last night, Ruko, uh, Jefferson, and J.J. Reddick, they were gushing about him, um, especially down the stretch but of the in game. In fairness, Reddick has before already. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was more. I think, I think there are guys like Low Ruddick, uh, um, Doris Burke has mentioned him. Like it's to the Richard Jeffersons of the world. I think it's more of an announcement. But um, you know, he has been getting more attention. What I mean, there's just there's not much more you could say. I mean, going on the road in Madison. In, it's wow. I almost made it. See, I was gonna say, I hate when people call it the fucking garden because not the garden. And then by accident, I just did that. Um, he went into Boston Garden or TD Garden, whatever the fuck they call it. Um, you know, down down the starter, and um, he just—he's a guy who rises to the occasion. Um, he is a guy whose game rises to the occasion. He's made as the brights as the lights get brighter. His game gets shines brighter. Uh, that's been true since he was a rookie. Uh, you know, led a huge comeback against the Clippers. Uh, you know, really showed out when he played against his, you know, one of the guys he looked up to growing up in Lou Williams. He stayed at Kentucky for an extra year, even though he didn't start. I think a big part of that was he wanted to shine again where the lights are the brightest. And you could see how much joy he was playing with. And I don't think, you know, there's guys who like, you know, sometimes that can be maybe a bad thing, right? If you're kind of a me center's attention kind of thing. I don't know if that's really what it is, though. He's just It just seems like he gets energized and where other people might be a little bit nervous during the moment. I mean, he, he was starting. Um, and what did he do to start the fucking game? I mean, I, I, if he misses this shot, I don't know if Tibbs has an aneurysm or what. Right off the tip, I mean, it's, it's not a bad play. They were playing him deep, but he pulls up six seconds into the game and drains it. 
And, you know, that, that set the tone. But, um, you know, kind of speaking of that, and, and I mean, just everything, right? Like he played 55 minutes. He did 38, 8, and 7 efficiently. Um, playing defense, manning up whoever he had to be guarding on sometimes on the same possession, helping on Tatum, defending Marcus Smart, who's much bigger, defending Derek White, defending all of these guys. Um, just coming, like he had, what, what was it, four steals and two blocks? Yeah, um, that was in regulation. That block on Jalen Brown was was ridiculous. That was a great phenomenal that steal on. You know who I we are that steal on Derek White the on the like right after mm. the inbounds. You know who I really hope saw that. I hope Paolo Prigioni somewhere yeah. got to see that. That was very much a Prigioni esque play. But I'm going to ask you. So so it's just it's you see it all right. I think that his rookie year we had said wow he's. He's an intelligent player. He really juices your offense because of his ability to play on the ball and off the ball. Can he get downhill? Can he get into the paint? Can he create a little bit more for others? Last year, he flashed that. But then you saw that he wasn't as aggressive shooting the ball. Uh, and even even post-All-Star break, it, remains, it, it should be said that he was shooting the ball more efficiently. But you didn't see the, the gunner IQ, the aggressive IQ that's like, you go under, period, and I'm under and within 30 feet, it's going up. You better not fucking go under ever. That guy was not even his nice stretch last year at the end of post All Star. He was playing a little bit more methodical. Uh, now you're just seeing all of it come together, all of the improvements in his game, the defense, the passing. Uh, I think you posted that, that passing shit. Stuff, like, that <laughs> passing shit. I promise you, it comes real easy to a real hooper. Like it's all coming together. So you have all of the like the learnings, the like the veteran stuff that he's picked up in a, in a still. He's only 23. You have the the defense the passing, all of that stuff. And now you get like the fuck it type of stuff that, that drew him those comparisons to Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams. And man, is it fun to watch. And and on top of that, he can do that for 55 minutes and still have the energy to, to dance and be hopping around. Uh, I hope they iced him down and got him to take a rest day today. Um, the only it. other thing I, I want to ask. He, he didn't even look, t- his, his post-game interview, he didn't even look tired. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Uh, I hope he doesn't get a random drug test today. <laughs> Uh, it might be warranted. Um, the only thing I want to ask you, uh, staying on quickly, uh, we could probably talk this entire episode on quickly. I know you and me certainly could. Um, you know, he. So I don't want to make this a Tibbs referendum because I don't think this would necessarily validate any point of view, but he's been playing well, a lot better since the rotation short quickly has, and his minutes have increased. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's getting more minutes because he's playing better because he's shooting better. One, do you think that causality maybe goes the other way, where he is shooting better because he has that confidence? Because especially a night like last night, he like I think about that shot he took to start the game, uh, and I was like, that's the thing though. In the back of his mind, he takes that shot. It's not a bad shot. Um, he's open. Um, you know, it's within his range, and they're going under, and it's going to have. If, if he makes that, they're going to start playing him up, and that'll open up driving opportunities. But he's like, but he doesn't have to worry, right? Like, what's what's Tibbs going to do? Put in Deuce? He's not. He's starting, like, again, quickly as, and that's an extreme example. But even even when he comes in off the bench now, he knows that he's kind of secure in his minutes and he's able to, do you think that's a thing at all? Or is this maybe me reading into it? And again, I'm not even saying that this is like a criticism of Tibbs because because you have to earn that respect. And um, and so, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that, do you think that plays a factor at all? Yeah, I 100% do. Um... Like last year when he really took off is when Kemba was out, Kemba was done and Rose was basically out 
for the season. And that coincided with like, okay, quickly is going to play 25 minutes a night. And might, and you know, we, we don't need to revisit this. Like, obviously we wish he had started, played more, whatever, but like he knew exactly what his minutes were going to be. He knew also, that, oh, sorry. I'll, I'll add one yeah. other thing. This has become, a lot of people are shitting on Alec Burks. My opinion is that he should have started next to Alec Burks, not in place of him. I think he should have been the point and Burks should have been the two. I'm pretty sure you'd agree with that, right? Yeah, I would have brought Fournier. Fournier should have been on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, so like when we say quickly should have started, that's not like a fuck Alec Burks thing. It's just he was out of position. You know, so. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, what I was going to say is like, he knew what his minutes were. He knew exactly how much he was going to play. He takes off. And if you go back and like look at it before at the start of the season, like it was, it wasn't, it was rocky. It was up and down. And like, yeah, some of that's on quickly. Like, you know, he has to shoot better. If he shoots better, he play more. But there is, I do think there is a causality of like, knowing that you're going to play a lot makes you don't feel as much pressure pressure to make to be perfect right that that's the pressure is like to be perfect to be you know nail every single decision and i think um defensively even last year i thought he had made a significant leap this year obviously it's gone to another level but i've never questioned his effort or his defense and i don't really think that's ever been wanting it's the other side of the ball where you're like the decision making and all that type of stuff is is tough to do now, like what you're seeing from him uh, on the floor, like when when he knows, and, and again this year, right? He starts off and it's like it's not great. Uh, he's his three ball is kind of deserted him, and you're like, what's going on here? Um, but but when you when they shorten the rotation, that's basically when he took off. And you know, you shorten the rotation, he knows at that point he's going to play 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 minutes a night. Um, that changes. That makes that that relieves some pressure on you. You don't feel like you have to go out and prove yourself every single game to justify your minutes, and you don't have to be perfect. And um, I, I do think and that's you can't take you, and you can take some risks too, right? You you don't have to you don't have to show out, and you also don't have to you 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 can you can take up a thirty foot pull up once in a while, right? Like you know you're not going to yeah. get killed for that. Yeah, and, and and yeah, I mean at this point it's just like he's played fucking great and i mean last night was it it was his best game of his career all things considered like there was a lot of discussion and i, and I get it like i know there were people that were like it's it's crazy that tibbs literally played him the last what uh 36 30, 30 34 minutes 34 minutes of the game right because the entire <laughs> second half and then first and second overtime um and i get that and I do like like it was a little bit harsh on Deuce, but at the same time, like one, I think in a one-off game, like in a one-off game situation, just one game, I thought in that moment it was the right call. Um, I think quickly. Look, he's he played he's played more this year. Obviously, what is he averaging now? Like twenty-eight minutes a game or something. Um, yeah. But like. He's he. You're not like running. Like he's not been run into the ground or something, right? This is not like one of your high, high minutes players in the, in the NBA, and now you're extending him even more. So I think his legs are relatively fresh, um, and I think he's also apparently like the yeah the best condition it, maybe on the team. Yeah, his conditioning is elite, and so I wasn't worried. I, I didn't care about that. And also, like this just needs to be said that game, and and they commented on it at the end of the game last night, and I think that they were commenting on it throughout the game. That was a high level game. That was like a extremely well played game on both sides of the ball. I think 
both those teams, it felt like, you know, Boston, they blew that 28-point lead to Brooklyn on, on Friday. And the Knicks are obviously trying to keep this winning momentum going. They want to make sure that, you know, you want to make sure you're not in that sixth seed, right? You want to be in that, in that at least you want to, or not in the sixth seed, you want to finish in the top six, right? Bare minimum. Um, so Boston was also is, pissed about the last, you know, Tatum, we know, like, was upset about the yeah. officiating in the last game. They yeah. were pissed about that game, too. Yeah. Yeah, they were pissed about that. And I like, and I again, like, the Knicks are obviously very focused. Like, they, they're on a roll right now. You want to keep that winning streak going. Um, but that was a game that was played at a very high level, both in terms of, like, the intensity and the physicality of the game. That was a very physical game. And um, I just don't think Deuce, Deuce was not ready for that. Like, putting him out there and telling him to run point for, like, five minutes each half was probably going to lose you the game. Derek White. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, like even if you babysit him, would have lost the game probably. Yeah, yeah. which and, and, and I just some think, people like, might say that's fine at a different part of the season, but right now they are trying to. They're trying to. They, they you know, some you need those games, and you want to like it's going to help them in the playoffs. So. Look at where the Knicks are in the standings. Look at the run they're on. Look at how good they've played. Like this is not. I'm sorry. Like I'm all for like development and taking lumps on the floor and letting guys. Like this is not. The, the Knicks are too good right now. Um. To, to operate under that kind of logic. And um, again, like this speaks for itself. Okay. The Knicks were plus eight in Quickly's minutes last night, 55 minutes. The only other, and then they were plus two in Grimes' 25. They were plus 10 in Obi's 11, and they were plus 11 in Hartenstein's 10. I actually didn't, didn't think Hartenstein played a very good game yesterday, but. Um, it goes, they went small at one point, even. Yeah, yeah, they played Randall at the five uh, for a bit, and so like, like Randall was a minus eight in forty-seven minutes. Mitch was a minus one in forty-four. RJ was minus eight in fifty. This is not to knock these guys, by the way. This is just to say, like, he, he quickly was, was babys- quickly was the designated bench babysitter. So like, Randall didn't get to play as much against himself as bench. So that's been impacted a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's just either way. Like the point is just like quickly was the driving force for us last night. Um, he was ultimately the best. He was the best player on the floor last night. And you're talking about, you're on the floor right here, right? You've got Jalen Brown. You've got Jason Tatum, who people were talking about as the MVP candidate. I'm a little bit, I don't want to say disappointed, but I don't think the leap that a lot of people were anticipating has quite happened yet for him. He's still very young, so it's not that big a deal. Um, but you're on the floor with like, you know, those two guys. You've got, obviously, Julius Randle on the floor. You've got, you know, Marcus Smart, Mitch. who's defensive player of the year. Yeah, Mitch. You got Marcus Smart, who's defensive player of the year last year, which I don't think he deserved, but he's obviously a very good defender. Derek White, who's another excellent defender. I mean, this is this is a game where there was a lot of talent on the floor, and for quickly, who basically be the best guy in that setting in a game of that intensity again. Like this was not some bullshit game in like November where both teams are kind of like half-assing it on defense. Like like the first game we played against Boston, right at the Garden. We were nowhere near them in terms of like just making them feel us defensively. This game was different. This was like, and then he's on the their game. scouting report. So this isn't insanity either, by the way. Everybody knows who this guy is, and they still can't stop him. Really, yeah. And I, I just think like it, it just speaks. And he was he was just in command down the stretch of the game. Like he he knew what switch he wanted to get. He knew how he wanted to attack it. He had Grant Williams in fucking hell. Like Grant Williams probably gonna have nightmares with this guy. Um, but it was it was a spectacular performance, and it's it's probably you know uh, the Knicks have been blessed this year to have 
a number of spectacular performances. This is as good as any of them. This really, it really is as good as any of them. It's as good as Randall in Miami. It's as good as one, any of the countless Brunson games or any of the countless Randall games or RJ's 44 point game. I mean, we lost that game to Chicago, but that was a magnificent RJ performance. Like it is as good as any of those games. He, he was incredible last night. And, um, and just the again, fucking like, stones, man. Like I keep going back to the pull up right at the beginning. Like just the takes all game. Like this, like he, I'm doing some fucking stones on him, man. Like I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just like what? How many other 23 year old guys have that kind of like, like yeah, like I mean the guys who have that kind of like mental killer instinct that I think of right now at that age are guys like Ant. Um, or like, you know, like the guys who are just like different, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm overstating it, but like, I just, to, to see him just come in and pop that three, to see like the way he was just like, he, like he just elevated to that moment. Uh, like, and he seemed to know that like, this is my time. And like, a lot of people will feel like it's my time. And then they'll, you know, they'll go full Michael Beasley. Like he actually balled out doing it, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. You cut out a little bit there for me, but, um, yeah, he, he, he is, I mean, what can you say? The guy was picked 25th in the draft. Um, and there has been countless hand wringing over it, right? Like, uh, we had to, oh, you know, it, it's crazy because even if he didn't take the leap that he's taken this year, if he had just leveled out at where he was last year, like with the 25th pick, that's a, that's a really good pick. That, that's a really good draft selection. And even amidst that, it was like, well, he's just, you know, the draft draft night, right? The day, the night he was drafted, a lot of people were pissed about that pick. Oh, this is nepotism. Oh, they're just reaching because it's a Kentucky guy, this, whatever. Oh, he would have been there in the second round, which we know isn't the case because obviously the, the, the rumor is Boston was about to pick him if the Knicks had passed on him. So um, there was all that, right? Then his rookie year, okay, he's good, but he's just kind of a microwave bench guy. He's just, you know, he's a... He's a three-point shooter, not much of a ball handler, not much of a point guard, can't score inside the arc. Then last year, it's, well, he's not consistent enough, and he's not a true point guard, and, you know, his defense is okay. It's actually not that good. He benefits from playing against bench guys all the time. Uh, you know, Let, let him, him be, be a, a really good guard. fourth guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then this year, it's like there are people falling over themselves to justify, well, he's not playing as much because Brunson uh, is here. And... Um, you know, uh, we have Grimes. Grimes is a better defender. And, oh, well, you know, maybe we should consider trading him because you really want to pay him and, and, and all of that. And, 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 and for him personally, like, he's sat here for two years. He's had to watch Elf start over him. He's had to watch Derrick Rose start, start over him. He had to watch Kemba start over him. He had to watch um, Derrick Rose again start over him for a little bit. Burke start over him. Like, guys that he was outperforming. And the fact that he kind of just trusted in his own work, didn't let his head like didn't let his head hang and um never got discouraged and didn't let it I mean maybe it did discourage him, but it never impacted his commitment and his energy and his effort on uh, on the floor when he was playing regardless of how many minutes and what his role was and to come through all of that and to kind of have the stretch that he's put together here for the last however many games at this point um, and really just to have that game last night. And he was awesome in Miami, too. He had 21 points in that game. Like, he, he's just playing. It. I mean, 
Yeah. I'm not at the point where I'm going to complain about tip stuff right now, but he, he probably should have closed that game. <laughs> he played yeah, and, 22 and, minutes, and, 21 points. Yeah. And to be fair to Tibbs, like, it's hard to nail that decision now every time because the Knicks actually have options to close with. So it's okay. If, like, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, again, just to come through all of that and to be where he's at now and, like, you know, kind of be at a stage where it's like, I think there's almost like universal. I don't want to say adulation, but I mean, yeah, fucking adulation for the guy among the fan base. And you're starting to see the national buzz, right? For six man of the year. And they were talking about that a bunch of the broadcast and like, not just six men of the year, but you're talking like, people are just talking about him. Forget the role, forget, you know, what, what role he plays. They're just talking about him as a very good basketball player and a guy whose defense, I mean, the offense was amazing last night. The defense was great too. I mean, he had that stunt in overtime where he like, you know, basically is like two on one and like forces Al Horford to kind of hesitate. I mean, he just did so much shit yesterday. That was so. And actually, the commentators even called that out. That I think it was yeah, Redick. Uh, it was Ruko. Oh, Redick. Yeah, it was Redick. I think, and he's like he mentioned specifically, and like I think it was right before. I think was that the dunk quickly had on the next possession. Uh, it was right before that dunk, and he's like, "Yeah, actually, that last possession was ended because of quickly stop." Right. So, uh, I mean, Redick is probably not a guy like just because of the similarities, kind of in role, you have to worry about in terms of seeing the value quickly. Um, but, um, and, and then to do that after 55 minutes, man, like it's just, um, he, I mean, I, I've said a few times, like Josh Hart seems like a guy who was probably in the middle of some brutal Eastern conference series in the nineties and got teleported to, um, to this time and place and just picked up where he left off. But quickly another guy fits right into those nineties next. And I'll tell another thing, like if for some reason, Tom Thibodeau is still coaching in 15 years. And he's like in Sacramento or or wherever he is, or New York, maybe still who knows. And he's like pulling in all his old vets that he trusts over some. One day, Emmanuel quickly is going to be like thirty nine years old on a Tibbs team, keeping some young dude on the bench. Because <laughs> um, because I think this is a this is the beginning of a beautiful uh, friendship. Yeah, I mean, he what he called quickly his guy in the uh, press conference after the game. Um, and who knows, like, I, I think last year they were in a weird, I think last year at the start of the season, I, I'm not going out on a limb to say that. I don't think their relationship was as strong, um, as it had been obviously his rookie season. Um, but whatever forces came together to change that, I mean, they obviously, he trusts him now. Um, and if you trust somebody and they deliver performances for you, that's kind of like a, you're going to get appreciation back and you know neither of them has said anything explicitly but like they definitely seem like they're in a healthier place um and it's just yeah man it's it's great to see and it's as a fan it's super fun to like just have a team and and it's not just quickly right it was awesome to see rj play the way he did last night and it's been awesome quite frankly to see a guy like julius randall who I was totally out on after last year, given his performance. It's awesome to see a guy, and, and not just me, like, you know, tons of fans, of it, a, sh- a shit ton of the fan base is just completely done with this guy. Uh, and and I, I still feel for, like, valid reason. Maybe, I and not maybe, I did go over the top in terms of, like, what I would be willing to attach to him to the moot just to get rid of him and, and how necessary it was. Obviously, I was wrong about that. And he's, but it, it's awesome to see him come through that and, um, you know, I again, I don't think he had the greatest game last night, seven turnovers, but what I really appreciate about his game last night is he had he picked up his fifth foul, I think, pretty early in the first overtime, and, like, he 
managed hit like in a game where Marcus Smart was just dying to fall on the ground as soon as somebody touched him to draw offensive fouls. Like he kept his composure and he avoided fouling out, and that was obviously huge. For he had the a team. bunch of big free throws. Yep, he had a yep. bunch he of was, big free throws, which has been a big bugaboo for him earlier in his career. But yeah, earlier this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he iced the game at the free throw line, relatively speaking. Um, but like, yeah, it, it just when you see these guys who have like been here now for you know. RJ's been here for what? This is his fourth year. This is Randall's fourth year. This is Quickly's third year. This is Mitchell Robinson's fifth year. This is like Jalen Brunson just got here, but it feels like he's been here forever. Same with Josh Hart. This is Obi's third year with the team, right? Like this is Grimes' second year. You're seeing guys that have been here now for, for multiple seasons. Um, and it feels like they're coming into their own individually in a lot of ways, but they're also like, there is a camaraderie and there's a chemistry and, They've been through highs and lows together, and it's really fun to see a team, at least for me personally, like to me, like this is like, I don't care about trading for a superstar. I don't care about that shit. I want to root for a team made up of players and individuals who I feel somewhat emotionally invested in and who also feel like invested into the team. And um, this team, all the players on it, it feels that way. It feels like they are playing, yes, for each other and for themselves, obviously, as professionals, but also, like, they are playing for the New York Knickerbockers and that that matters to them. And, I mean, even just going back, I remember Hartenstein had a brutal start to the season. He was kind of just really struggling. And then he had that huge game uh, where he gets the block on Donovan Mitchell, right? He was awesome in that game uh, to help us beat Cleveland for the second time. And after the game, he had a, he had a comment about, like, he, he mentioned basically like he knew he'd been struggling and that he owed it. He said something like he owed it to the fans and he owed it to the city to play better. And like, that's kind of sums up for me, how I feel about this team, how they come across to me. And maybe that's just, you know, bullshit Pollyanna Knicks fan, just, you know, assigning like value to things. But like, it feels like they actually care about that. Like they want to be a great Knicks team. And not just like because they're playing here, but that they're actually invested in in this franchise. And um, you know, like when Leon Rose and Worldwide West came in to run the front office, one of the things that obviously they needed to do, and what that's been lacking forever with this organization, is like instill. You know, we talk about culture all the time, but like there had not been a very appealing culture uh, at Madison Square Garden for a long time. And now you look at this team, and like, yeah, they they. They went through some shit last year, but like adversity, you know, you, you become like you're, you can strengthen through adversity and they came through a season that was kind of a nightmare in a lot of ways. And they've come through on the other end now better for it. And they have a lot of depth and they have all these, you know, their pieces that they've developed and they've added talent in terms of like Jalen Brunson and all these dudes. And they're just in a very healthy position as an organization. And that, applies both to like you know pure roster construction asset value but also the kind of culture that has now been put in place and that's just you know kudos to tips for that also so this is again this it, it takes a village like it has taken a village and all of them deserve credit for it yeah i mean does it i think it's also interesting they were you know leon rose is brought in as the agent guy so everyone's like this is how the knicks are finally going to get a star They've operated more like a money ball front office. I mean, is that fair to say? Right? Like, 
they like no, they have found out and it, it it comes in like we like with basketball analytics you think shooting right like that's the first thing three point shooting pace and space but actually as teams adjust the arbitrage there opportunity or whatever you know the op- the market value or the market opportunity there lessens right because everyone is valuing perimeter shooting or two way players like that who can who can do those things more right uh, so the Knicks had to pivot and say, "All right, we cannot win the shooting battle. You know, it's going to be tough for us to to really maximize that. Um, what can we do? Right? Well, we can probably we have already a center who is flawed, but is really good. Is a big ass body. Um, you know, great double jump, long arms. We can we can we can win the offensive rebounding battle. Um, we have a coach that doesn't maybe run the most creative sets." But, um, you know, but if we have some, some steady guys who are, are running maybe simpler sets, but, you know, who, who, who you can trust, you can limit the turnovers. And if we win with turnovers and offensive rebounds, even if we shoot, we don't have to shoot that well. We're going to take so many more shots than this other teams. Um, and, you know, so those are those that became the new money ball, right? That and and by the, the way, by the way, though, by, by the way, the Knicks, the Knicks are shooting well now, though, too, which is nice. Yeah, they've risen up. Uh, I would imagine that has a little bit to do with the the the, the shortened rotation uh, replacing. Well, I mean, Cam Reddish wasn't shooting that poorly, but Josh Hart is shooting nine thousand percent from three. I think that'll spoiler alert, guys. That's both. yeah. I mean, that was another thing I was a little annoyed with. He probably needs to take more than four shots in a game where Jalen Brunson's out, but. We'll leave that. Uh, but they've found those kind of ways. They haven't gotten a star, but they found a guy in Julius Randle who was a flawed guy with a lot of talent, and they've made that work eventually, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. And, um, you know, as much as, like, I think that people probably had rightful criticisms, and, you know, if like, he did change his game, so to that extent, the criticism there of him last year were fair. But, you know, like, the front office saw something in him and said that, you know, whatever else people may say, like, they knew the guy, and, like, we saw the the tantrums and stuff on the court, but they knew whether the guy had it in him to do this and the mentality to, to be in like, I think his mentality to your point, you talked about the proportion yesterday in overtime, the techs are way down from last year as well. Um, you know, Brunson was another guy. And then Prez has talked about, they have, they found a lot of guys who have, who, um, who have, there are opportunities in their shot diet, right? So heart is the best example of that recently um, where they got him to take a lot more catch and shoot threes. Um, they've gotten him to more in transition. They've they've kind of exploited um, you know opportunities he had in a shot diet. Jalen Brunson, there was the there was the hint that he's probably not going to be as valued as high because he didn't take a ton of pull up threes, but that's part of his game. Um, you know, so they found these. They have found ways to either win on the margins with a Josh Hart or even a Hartenstein type move. I think that counts now. By the way, they got him for eight million. He's he's significantly outperforming that in my opinion. Hartenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, they've found ways to win on the margins, and then they've done these low-risk, high-upside moves. Sometimes they don't pan out. Sometimes you get Cam Reddish and you 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 lose the pick. But sometimes you send a second-round pick in Dennis Smith Jr. and you get vaulted to the fourth seed. That was still a great great trade for us. You know, even if Rose hasn't quite been at that level, and Hart seems like another home run in that mold. And and I think the other part of this is they've operated in unconventional ways, um, like. The draft day trades that they've done, you know, forget, I mean, this past one obviously is very unconventional, right? To trade out entirely, use that to dump your negative salary to clear cap space to get Brunson, but also get three protected first. That's like 
you know, we can debate the value, whatever, but like it, it's, it's an Garrett example of them. The they operate in unconventional ways. Um, like all the draft trades they've made, right? Going back to like the first draft they had, they, they had, they come into that draft with obviously the eighth pick, but they also had the 27th pick and the 38th pick. The morning of the draft, they trade 27 and 38 to go to 23. And then they trade back from 23 to get 25 and 33. They take quickly, who I wouldn't, I don't want to say an unconventional pick, but he was not a popular pick. There were players that people preferred. And really, the only guy that I think you could argue like has turned out to would be go top three in a redraft or something. Yeah. Who would go yeah. like, yeah, top five in like, draft. So, yeah. Like it, it's Desmond Bain. That's it. And, and so like, and personally, I don't give a shit. Like, I just will forever keep betting on quickly. I just think he's that guy. Um, but, like, the point is they, they just – and then, obviously, the, the following year, right? They, and I'm not saying all this stuff is, is them nailing the decisions. But it, it shows that, like, they're not – one, they're very different from previous Knicks front offices where it just felt like you did very, very basic things. Like, for basically four or five years, we were just thrilled that the Knicks weren't trading their first-round picks. And, like – were make drafting players and keeping them on the roster, and I, and I was like, for a while, we were like, all right, that that's good enough, like that that that's a step in the right direction. But like, they've obviously taken that and, and operated in in a, in a level beyond that. And like, so like the next year, right, the next draft, they go in there the nineteenth and twenty first pick. They traded up nineteen entirely for a future protected first, but they ended up using for Cam Reddish. We'll see how obviously that didn't pay out on Reddish, but they obviously end up using Reddish to get Josh Hart. So they show the ability to pivot off of mistakes and not. You know, they they and don't also not get attached to their yeah exactly Some yeah they, no not 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 being not attaching not, not getting you know uh, sucked into sunk cost fallacy is is a good thing for the front office. Then they trade down from twenty one like two times right to get a couple more future seconds and shit. They end up taking Quentin Grimes, another guy who at the time a lot of people were like not happy with that pick. Um, then they you know then they trade from thirty two famously to 30. ha 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 was the grade from Ben Pfeiffer on that pick yeah shout yeah. out Ben Pfeiffer. Uh, yeah and and then they trade down from thirty two in that draft to get thirty four and thirty six they take Deuce and Rokas again look Deuce we'll see how it pans out for him I still have some faith in it. I still have faith I mean, in for him. the second round he's he's played rotation minutes on a team that's doing well like yeah. before they got Hart I would say he was. He wasn't a game changer, but he gave them solid minutes and a defensive presence. And yeah, I do think he like. There's people who are like, "Well, Rose should be playing over him." I don't think so. I think his defense no. was needed and did help. Um, and for the 30, 34th pick in the draft in year two, that's not bad at all. No, it's good. And um, you know, Rokas, we'll see what he ends up becoming if he ends up coming here, how they use him, whatever. Um, and then obviously they take Jericho Sims with the fifty eighth pick, who like. Yeah, are there issues with Jericho Sims? Of course, he's not a perfect player, and and, and obviously Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein have rightfully um, been put above him in the rotation. But like, but he's still on the roster in year two to get a legitimate third center who can play rotation minutes and not totally kill you. um, That's a whole lot. I mean, being on the roster, yeah, being on the roster at pick fifty-eight after like a year is um, that's that's beating expectation, you know? Yeah, and 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 again, like. They have they've consistently operated in ways that are just unconventional, right? Like clearing the space for Brunson and and choosing not to bottom out, not trading Julius Randle. Um, like these are when once uh, do I think that they intended to make the playoffs their first season? No, not at all. But when they had a pretty decent start, they were like, 
fuck it. Like, let's let's make this Rose trade and see what happens. And they didn't pull the plug. They let that team play it out. And they got the fourth seed. Obviously, they lose to, to Atlanta. They tried to build on it the following year, and it wasn't perfect. They did fuck up some things. But, they've again, they showed their willingness to move off of mistakes and adjust. And they have. And they got Jalen Brunson, and they got Isaiah Hartenstein. And that shored up basically the two biggest weak, weak spots in the rotation um, from last year. And then now, you know, you bring in Hart to take over for the deuce minutes, and you're just seeing, like, their ability and, and kind of like their vision in terms of just patiently, methodically, piece by piece, upgrading the roster um, to the point now where I think like ultimately we'll see where this season ends, first round, second round, whatever. But at some point, like, yeah, they actually are in a position now to trade for a star. And, and they've been doing that. waiting for a track to explode on. That's, that's yes, for a star to explode on. But like they, they have they've positioned themselves to be a player in that market and they've positioned themselves to do it from a better position of strength than they were in last off season where like, uh, can you imagine if we traded quickly and he had that game that he had last night on like fucking Utah or something, I would be so pissed. I would be, Bondi furious. would be, Bondi would be nutting all over his apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's like, and that's not just, that's not a knock on Donovan Mitchell. He's uh, who's obviously been fucking great this year, but like I we would have looked at that trade and been like, well, we gave up all this shit for Donovan Mitchell. Is that team a contender? I don't think they are um, if they had made that trade. And so, like, you know, fuck, forget revisiting that, but, like, they are just, they, they well, have you notice themselves no one is, in a position. No Nobody's talking about we should have included quickly there. Not even Stephen A. There is a player yeah. that keeps getting mentioned, but uh, yeah. we can talk about that later, but that's a little bit. Like, if you if we had traded... RJ for Donovan Mitchell and kept the guys like quickly and somehow could have still made the hard trade. I don't, I'm not going to whine about it like ESPN host, but I do think that would have been a really fucking good team. It would have been, but this team is also really good. And I think they're in their more better position. Yeah. They, they just have more knowledge of the guys in the roster, which was kind of the frustrating bit of last season. Um, and with those picks, but yeah, they can I mean, probably I, again, get a, like, I just an even better start. Front office that fit. Yeah. Sorry. So obviously, again? yeah, I was going to say with those picks now, even if they had, you know, only got, had to give up RJ with those picks, they can get a star that maybe fits a little bit better next to Brunson and Randall. Like say one down I ninety five, who I think you're less of a fan of than me, but I would prefer to trade for him than Mitchell. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, so I think, who, who is this? Uh, Embiid. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not very into trading for Embiid. Um, I'm sure that'll be controversial to many people, but I, I just personally that is controversial. Like, yeah, because of the injury. I, I, I think that's I just, a legit reason. I just don't think he's. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't think he's a very serious... Like, he, he doesn't fit to me the type of focused level of dudes that they brought in here. Um, I don't... I, I don't like... Like, the guy will... Be, he, he's, a, he's a great player. There's no question about that. Um, he, I don't like the energy... He's probably an MVP. He probably will win the MVP this year. Him or Jokic. He's been that MVP player definitely. for the last Jokic three years. Will win. 
Jokic okay, but for the last 100%. three years, he has been the other guy in that conversation. And so that's he's not, not got out, he's not not out of the He hasn't gotten out of the second round. Like, I'm sorry. I, I All these things are great. At some point, you have to fucking actually do something in the playoffs. Like, well, neither is I Jokic, get it. but uh, Jokic got Jokic. to the finals in the bubble. The, the bubble. But like, Jokic hasn't played with superstars. And he didn't, he didn't have Jamal Murray for like two seasons. Like, Jamal Murray was just gone. Like he and he, I'm yeah, not. I mean, I, I'm, trust me, I'm not. Is... I'm not. I'm not a guy that like. I I don't want Jokic to win MVP this year because I just don't think like. If you win three straight MVPs, you need to be like the absolute unquestioned best player in the league, and he's just not that to me. Um, but like, I'm not praising Jokic either. I'm not like I to me if when you I, I just don't like the idea of any of these all in trades. I really don't. Um, and that's so you, so want, you want to roll with either. this. And not trade for a star, period. No, I, I would trade for a star, but I also think you need to like be really but careful. Because I think I your just... standards at this point are like Luca or like Booker. Or does even, does yeah. even Luca, who came to camp a little out of shape, I don't know. Does he have the focus that you'd want? No, he doesn't. I think Luca. I respect. I think, no, I, I, think, I think Luca suppresses talent around him. That's what I think. I think that guys play with Luca and they have their talent suppressed. Jalen Brunson and Kristaps Porzingis were called, they were being called no help in Dallas. Not that they were being called, no help. They're no help. That's pretty fucking good. Jalen Brunson leaves left. and he balls the fuck out. Like, there's something to be said about... KP left and balled if, out. Sorry, what's up? KP left. Porzingis left and balled out too. He's doing really well. Who balled out? I didn't... I, you Porzingis. 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 Hello? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that's my point. Is like these guys play better without Luca. So at some point, like, if my entire if and I and I'll I'll, I'll say this, I'll, I'll go even one bet higher. I don't buy the idea that this like. Do I think Jason Kidd's a good coach? Not particularly, but I don't think like the offense they're running is what. J- it's not just Jason Kidd's choice. Like they were running a very heliocentric, Luca focused offense when Rick Carlisle was the coach. Go look at what Indiana's running offensively. Go look at how they're playing offensively. Do you think Rick Carlisle was like sitting there like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to just have run 7,000 pick and rolls a game and have Luca mismatch hunt, you know, all every single time down the floor. Like, I don't think that's what he wants to do. I think that's what Luca wants to do. So until Luca demonstrates any ability to stop bitching and moaning and get back on defense and play with any type of energy defensively and, you know, take a catch and shoot jumper every now and then and, and just like play a lot like play with other people and not just like have other people be subservient to you offensively until he does that i don't think you can win with him and maybe you just bet and I, it's not insane and I, I i'm definitely in the minority of like i am just very risk averse to these type of like all in trades for a superstar of course like a guy like luca if you do that i'm not going to be like that's a horrible trade i get it like the talent is it's amazing. It's incredible. Same thing with Embiid. Like, if you trade for a guy like Embiid, I'm not gonna like lose my mind over it. But I do think like when like uh, these all in trades. Look at every single one. Look at all of them. Okay. Like the Lakers are the only one that has won a championship. Um, and like we can debate how much like it, they they won a championship, so you can't really question it. But they're paying for that now, and they're going to be paying for that for a long time moving forward. And then you look at the fucking disaster in Brooklyn, like that absolute disaster. And I don't care that McCall Bridges, it's cool that McCall Bridges is having like a nice few games here, but like, give me a fucking break, dude. Like they have Cam Thomas though. 
That's true. He's a he scored forty points three games in a row. Um, like you look at look at the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, they're like they're the eight seed in the in the West. Yeah. And Imagine they, like, they had SGA right now. I know, I know, and and like it's just all these teams when you go all SGA in. SGA would be well, he's not better than Kawhi. Would you take SGA over Kawhi? Side note, I guess I would take him over I PG mean, right now for sure. I would take him over PG right now. I wouldn't take him over Kawhi right now, but I also am like, is, I mean, if you're talking about like for the next three, four, or five years, I probably am taking SGA. Um, yeah. So like, it, that that's been a disaster trade, and they probably don't catch enough shit for it. Um, like all these all trades. I mean, Philly yeah. trades didn't work out. You just it's, um, it's well, a big, hard trade big risk, and I do state. think I have been saying this for a while. I think like, and and I think this would. I, I think there's something to be said of like, and I do think this is where the league is kind of. I, I'm this is my theory. I could be totally wrong on this, but having just looked at the NBA over the last few years, um, and I think this would get more credence if the finals runners up had won the finals in those seasons. Um, you look at Phoenix in 2021, and then you look at Boston last year. These are not teams that went all in. Um, they were they are teams that had pretty good depth. And they are teams that had, not slowly, but you know, methodically had assembled talent and kept guys together for a while. And I do think they had that, to, like, they all had a one a home. They had at least one homegrown, yes, yeah, for sure. Right, Wade yeah. and Booker, and then Dave yeah. and, and I said Brown, then Aiden too. So yeah, and Which I we I are just probably think, not going to be in a position to do that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I just think like. Depth matters more now in the NBA than it probably has previously. Where like, yeah, you know, the, the, the idea. I still think so. Yeah, I mean, they haven't won a championship. These teams that are like, it's like depth versus like the ultimate star or whatever, right? But like, they came pretty fucking close. I mean, if the, if Boston had won that series last year, Phoenix had won in twenty twenty one. I don't think anybody would have been like, wow, what a massive upset in the finals. Like, it would have been seen as like, wow, that's good. Good championship team, and I, I think that like the depth still does matter. And if anything, the, the reason I do feel this way is like I think coaching in the NBA now is at like an all time high level um, in terms of like coaches. They have so much access to data and information that I think they can tilt the margins in ways that probably were not available for coaches in the past. It was harder to to really see those things. I think, and because of that, I do think depth matters. Like, do you still need a top? 10, 15 type player. Yeah, I think you do. But I'm not, I'm less convinced. I guess the best way to put it is I'm less convinced that you need an MVP level player now yeah. than you, like, th- that was like a fact of just how it was for, and, and how, and people still perceive it that way. Maybe I'm wrong again. But I do think that, like, there's, there's a world where I don't, I don't think you need an MVP caliber star. You probably still need, like, a top 15 guy, but that's a different, th- there's different levels there. Like, Booker would have been the best player on a championship team two years ago, right? And like he's probably like a what top fifteen ish type guy, which is not a knock on him. That's just that's how good the NBA is. Um, and and Tatum, I know we've disagreed on this. Like I thought he was closer. Like I thought he was like around ten last year, uh, which is again really fucking good. But he wasn't an MVP level guy last year, uh, and I still don't think he is. But I think you can win a championship with Tatum as the best player on your team. So like I I just think that. When you're talking about like going all in for these guys, you need to be really careful. And 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 if anything, we've seen with this front office, like I don't know if you need to always 
like I think you can win in other ways. But what I think is really important is you kind of need to get value on a star. So the easiest way, the most typical way is you draft one, right? But to the next credit, I think they've signed two who are on market, like below market value deals in both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. So they're in I mean, a very where would you interesting... rank them at this point? Top twenty-five. I mean, you. I mean, if we're just talking about this season in isolation, yeah, I think Julius has been like a top uh, ten guy. Yeah, that's true. And I think and, R- R- Brunson is not well. I, I. I mean, I'd still put Brunson over Randall. That's kind of the thing. So, I think I. So I think Randall's better than than Brunson, but I also think Brunson is like. His end of game ability is special, and that if you want to put him over Randall because of the importance of that, I think that's reasonable. Um, and I and think it's more totally than that. To me. Like, like, all right. So we were talking about the game yesterday, and like, Randall wasn't his best, and I think at least part of it is, you know, they trust quickly. Obviously, it's a good thing, but there was a lot more Julius centric offense. I think in the late game, I saw a lot of... T- anytime quickly wasn't running offense, you saw on Twitter people getting mad. I think that at least part of that was probably the fact that the guy had played about 13,000 minutes and they were trying not to just put everything on him, every possession. But um, but he did have seven turnovers. And it was the kind of turnovers that we often see from Randall when he is asked to be the guy. And I think it's worth noting, and I think that context is important, that like... This great season, he has established himself as an elite play finisher who can also complement that play finishing with connective passing and quick decisions. And, and more than connective passing, even like some, some basic reads when people overreact. He's able to leverage his scoring into, into playmaking. But in terms of just creation from like the, the middle of the floor out of pick and roll or... Um, or even really like an ISO from like that starts closer to the three point line. Like unless he's pulling up from three, it's not as great. I just pull up from three or get into the rim. Like when it's just no motion, there's nothing to set it up, and the defender's just in his grill, uh, or he has to deal with a double. It's like not great right now, uh, or like it's gotten better. I will say, like I'm not trying to discount that, but you can see why that's not really. Whereas Brunson, he he gives you all of those things, right? And I think that's kind of what you're getting at with the late game offense. But I think it matters. Like for the rest of the game too, like Randall, when we tried to run the offense through him, that's why he didn't look as great. I think as he has in other games where he can kind of just focus on doing what he does best. And for that reason, I would probably put Brunson higher. I do think Randall's a better defense defender, and his rebounding has legitimately been a, a changer, a game changer this year. It's close. Um, I'd probably be willing to put Randall above Brunson if he was like a really high impact defender instead of just a solid one. But um, but Brunson is just a special offensive talent to me, and I, I, that's why. Like, whereas Randall is just a very, very, very good play finisher who can do enough passing to like be equally um, dangerous, but he's not a creator, and I think that's that's a pretty big difference. But yeah, I would I put think, them both top twenty. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I just think Randall's the defense he's been playing this year has been also incredible. Like. He's just actually it's been, been good. I don't know him. if I'd go incredible, but I, I would. I think he was pretty much incredible during defensively during that stretch when Mitch was out. I think he's taken a little bit. I think like when Mitch comes back, he kind of eases off the gas a little bit on that end because he knows he can get away with it more. Uh, but when he was playing with Jericho Sims, he he definitely dialed it up for a while. 
Um, and I Certainly just on the glass, I would give you that. But yeah, his rebounding has yeah, been way better. This year. That is that is a big part of defense. So I can't. The, like we probably would have gotten mauled on the defensive glass with Mitch out if it wasn't for him. So I think that's pretty. Good. I mean, the the big thing with Randall is like if he if he deems a matchup worthy of his effort, then he's like really fucking good on defense. But then he'll have like moments like against Miami. He had there's one play where he's just like, oh, Cody Martin's in the game. I'm just not going to defend him. I'm just not. I'm not, <laughs> not going to. Um, but like. I mean, when he's locked in, he's really good. I mean, at the fourth quarter of that Clippers game, just going back and watching that, like he he was unreal on PG and Kawhi. You know, he's just a fucking problem. But like, yeah, I mean, but again, the Knicks are just in a good spot. And then you look at like these young guys, like I, what what how good can Emmanuel quickly be? How good is Mitchell Robinson right now? And and can he get better? Um, how good is RJ Bear? I mean, RJ Bear is the lightning rod, right? But like, I like the guy that we saw last night. Mitch had a drive and dunk, by the way, yesterday. Yeah, that was awesome. He's been doing um, like, that a little bit more this season, like like the short roll passes and stuff. It's not enough, but it's um, it's more than it has been. Yeah, and I just think like you know RJ is obviously the lightning rod, but it's like the guy like what he was doing yesterday. I mean, offense, yeah, he's not going to hit a bunch of pull up jumpers. I mean, he didn't hit that many yesterday anyway. But like the defense, like none of nothing that he did yesterday defensively is like freakish crazy one-off like it was stuff that we've seen him do for a full season his second year we saw him do those type like consistently just be locked in defensively and make your rotations close out to shooters well don't give up blow buys like he was doing all of that and when you see those games like he did yesterday you see how valuable he can be i'm not saying he's going to be a superstar but the guy that played last night like that that guy moves the needle like that guy matters in this league and um, he hasn't been that this year, unfortunately, for long stretches. But like, I'm not giving up on him because I think, I think that the adjustment he's making is hard to be like, you're the third guy now, figure it out next to Brunson and Randall, who take up most of the kind of initiating reps, and you're kind of trying to fill in the gaps around them. And this is not, I'm not even trying to like make an excuse for him because I don't think he's been good this year. But like, I'm still, he's 22 years old. I'm sorry, like I'm not. He's shown me enough. He's put together stretches that I I will keep betting on him. I don't think that contract is some kind of like hideous albatross that we need to be desperately trying to move on. And if anything, we should look at like the Randall thing from last year to this year, and and let that kind of like inform us a little bit. Like these guys, not everybody. I, I quickly is a weirdo. Like he's just like every year it seems like he's gradually, clearly like some of the guys. It's up and down. There are people that have like down seasons happen all the time. That happens around the NBA. I think RJ is definitely having a down season, but I don't think that means that this is what he is forever. And I do think he eventually punches through and at least becomes like a quality starting two-way wing. Like that's that's there for him. That is definitely there for him. Um, and I, I would I would keep betting on that. But like if he if I mean if he cracks through to that level and he's the guy that he was last night more consistently, I mean, what? It, it becomes very, it's very hard right now to look at this team and be like, if he cracks through, especially as to like, what is the easiest place to upgrade? Because you talked about Embiid, right? I'll tell you my concern with Embiid. I don't think Embiid and Randall work well together offensively. I think they're going to operate, they want to operate in a lot of the same areas. I think, and Embiid is what? He's a, he's a monster usage guy, just, and rightfully so. He's great. He deserves the usage he gets. Um, I'm not sure how they work well together. I think you're also now going to take away Mitch 
and and Randall, in my opinion. I think you have to move both those guys to accommodate Embiid. And I'm not sure. And then on top of that, you're going to give away draft capital for sure. You're probably going to give away another young piece or two. I just, I feel like you're you're creating gaps in your lineup that you don't have answers for. And I'm worried about that because I think if you trade for Embiid, that has to be like you're in it to win it now. And I'm just not sure that team would be in position to win it. Like, which is why to me, the move is to wait for a wing, wait for a true star wing to come on the market because it is easy to see how a star wing can slide into this team and elevate so it to an even higher so, level. So, I mean, I think, so there's a couple of things. One, I think that you are also saying you don't necessarily think this team needs to add a capital S superstar to contend. Yeah, I don't. I think, if you, I mean, it's it, so that, let me be very clear. So that we were like, cause this term means different things to different people, right? To me, a superstar, true superstar is MVP caliber player. That is a superstar. So like, I think, like, I do think Embiid is a superstar. I don't fully trust him for a variety of reasons, but I do think he's a superstar. Jokic is a superstar. Giannis is a superstar. Um, Kevin Steph, Durant LeBron. sometimes, I'll admit, is a superstar. Kawhi is a superstar. Like these guys, and and Seth Curry is a superstar. I don't think I don't think LeBron. Sorry, go ahead. I said Steph and LeBron. <laughs> you don't think LeBron is a superstar? Not anymore. Not anymore. Obviously, he was. There's no question about that. Like, but I don't think Booker is a superstar. But I do think a, I don't think Tatum's a superstar. But I do think those guys, if you add a Tatum to this team or you add a Booker to this team, I think they are good enough to be the best player on a championship team that is built like this. Like you, They can be the best player on a championship team where there is quality depth. They can't be the best player on a championship team in the way Steph Curry was the best player on a championship team last year. Well, let me, let me throw this to you, though. If you're, if you're willing to say that they do not need you know, an Embiid type, a top seven, let's say seven. I think that that's usually, for a long time, I think there's been seven to eight guys, I think, who fall in that tier. Um, like, that's just generally, the names change, but I think it's usually seven. Um, why do we need a booker at the, I mean, do we need even a booker? You know, because here's the thing. Josh Hart is by no, no definition a star, but it has had a star level impact on this team. Is there someone... If you get the right guy, a wing in particular, I don't. I, I'm for those who might be thinking oh, this is where I'm going. I'm not talking about OG Ananobi, um, but a player in that twenty to fifty range or twenty to forty range who fits just as well as Josh Hart has. And I'm not saying Josh Hart is necessarily in that range, or maybe he is. But that kind of a like, if you get another pickup like that, and you still have Mitch. And you still have maybe Barrett takes a, you know, doesn't become a star, a star, but like becomes a more consistent and efficient version of this player. You still have quickly. You still have Grimes. And now you add that other pretty good player. Um, I'm trying to think of like, like a Bane level player, maybe. Uh, I don't think Desmond, like if Desmond Bane came here, I don't think so he'd be the best player on the Where, where's, whose spot is Bane taking? In this case, I guess he would take that. Maybe that's. But I'm talking about that level of player, right? So Weird, I get it. But, but this is. But so this it would is be where, Grimes or it was a Grimes or RJ. That's where. Yeah. So this is this is where it's tricky because so the way I'll put it is like ultimately, and maybe this is quickly. Maybe quickly is going to turn into this type of guy right in front of our eyes. But like I think the team 
ultimately still needs like a third creator they can trust, which is why I'm fine with like enduring through the trials and tribulations of uh, one RJ Barrett this season. Um, but like, and you don't I think do, Quickly's there yet? I mean, who would you, if you had to bet I, on one of them becoming that guy, who would you bet on at this point? I would. I, I mean, I've been saying quickly, but like, you need multiple bets. You can't. You can't put. I don't think either of them is so surefire that you're like this is it and fuck this other guy. Like I think, and and I don't, why would you want to do that? I think if both of them pop, great. That's fucking awesome. Like, I think it's very, I think that's on the table, but um, like, I do think they need a third guy, which is why, like, if you can get a Booker level dude, I think it's worth it. Um, But I'm not so sure I agree with that. I'm not so sure I I agree. They need a third creator guy. Cause aren't the teams that you mentioned, they don't really have like Boston didn't have three creators. Like, Milwaukee does. Um, Phoenix did it last year. Now they do, obviously. But look, Chris Paul's washed. You know, I'm not so sure. I, but I, I think, I think, I think that margin. Creator. I think that margin is what cost Phoenix and Boston, though, not That's having fair. that yeah. third creator. Like that is that, it, and they were, but that, that they were that close. But they needed that third guy, especially like Phoenix. You could see it, right? Because Paul, I mean, at that stage, he was still good. He, I mean, he still is good. I guess like he's obviously not what he was even then. But then he was still good, but you could tell like he couldn't up his usage to like thirty-five in a game, right? He he just doesn't have that capacity anymore. And um like Boston obviously last year, yeah, Jalen Brown, he played he had a great finals, by the way. Jason Tatum struggled, but when Jason Tatum struggled, there's nobody else that you can go to to create offense, which is why I do think they went out and got Brogdon. We'll see how that works out. He's not the sixth man of the year, Emmanuel quickly is. Um <laughs> and he announced that on national stage yesterday. But like like maybe that's enough. Maybe Brogdon that is was enough. hurt. Let's give him a break, guys. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, but maybe maybe that is enough, right? Like maybe that's the margin they were missing last year is just a Malcolm Brogdon level guy. And if that's the case, like you know, if you're comparing the top talents on each team, are you are we sure? Like, is are how much better are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown than Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? That's I don't kind know. of like, my I, point. Before the season, I would have said there's like a big gap there. But now I, I don't know. And I, I, I think Jalen Brunson really, is a better offensive player than Jalen Brown. Yeah, and I think I the, the big the big part of this is like we need I just need to see Randall relatively maintain this level of performance in a in in the playoffs. If he does that, then the conversation gets pretty interesting, I think. Right? Because I trust I think Brunson's gonna be fine in the playoffs. We he's fine in the in he's it. fine in the East. Um, they better not let him. Like, they better not ask Donovan Mitchell to guard him again. I'll tell you that much. I mean, the yeah. defense has improved, but Brunson is cooking everybody this year. Yeah, and and you know, like honestly, um, this is the other part of this that I think, like, this front office has done a really good job with, is they've done a really good job of just like bringing in people that are serious, like serious professionals. Whatever you think about their individual talent level as players. When is the last time we've not had any like off-court drama with players on a team for about three seasons now? Like none. the The most controversial thing is what, like Julius Randle giving us a thumbs down. Like, Mitchell like there's not like actual and, uh, controversy, right? And then, like, and I, I say this, car. and I look, I well, I don't know, I was. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, like the John Morant thing. Obviously, like, I can't even imagine how that would be in New York. 
And I can't imagine what like it would have been like if all of the KD, Kyrie, Harden shit happened in Manhattan instead of Brooklyn. Like to not like I think they actively look for guys who are like what do you like doing? I like going to the practice facility and then I like posting stuff on Instagram and TikTok. Like I don't think that they don't want guys that are like out there fucking being super brash and like you know, I, not not to say that they don't want guys that don't have interests outside of basketball, right? Obviously, that's not true. But like, I do think they look for a very like they they are looking for very specific types of dudes, and that's why the heart acquisition was so like as soon as you heard it, you were like, like yeah, it, it, I was like, I have zero concern of like how he's gonna fit in, like I, absolutely none, none at all, and it, that's exactly how it's worked out, right? And like you talked about it, yeah, you know, would you does he need to shoot more? Are there actual basketball things that you would like to see him? kind of alter for sure but in terms of like his mentality his mindset his seriousness his competitiveness like it it was never a concern and even tibbs mentioned this the other day where he's like he mentioned like one of the things he likes about this team is like he never has to get them fired up to play like he never has to like you know go in there and motivate them like they are self-motivated people and i think that's kind of that's a really important like that's a very undervalued characteristic i think when in any field, obviously, but like, especially when you're assembling a fucking professional basketball team um, or any type of professional sports team is guys that are self-motivated and don't need like, you know, it's, is it about the contract? Like, yeah, all these guys want contracts, right? But like, you need to be willing to put in the work without, and, and not just because you want the reward, right? The work needs to be value you need to value the work in and of itself like you need to love the game and i think all these guys love putting in the work the guys that they brought in anyway like and and it's kind of like rubbed off like i don't i wouldn't say mitch loved doing the work i wouldn't say that he was like that but i do think he's like become more about that being around the guys that they have brought in consistently even like the vets that didn't work out here right like or that not even that they didn't work out but they're gone like i think bullock was serious like i think burks was super serious burks is transformation as a player is honestly pretty fucking incredible. Go watch some young Alec Burks highlights. This dude was like catching bodies at the rim. Um, and he's turning himself into a three-point gunner. Like Fournier, they talk, Breen talks about this all the time with like Fournier and Rose, where even though they're not in the rotation, they're like consistently in the gym and they're like some of the first guys in there are getting their shots up. Like that's, 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 yeah, especially that is Fournier, the, like, he's the they, first they guy. And so to bring it back on the bench. Like Forney has like embraced the the offensive role for all which is pretty admirable. Yeah. I'd embrace the offensive role for to get seventeen and a half million <laughs> yeah. here too. Uh, <laughs> but like, but but like that's that's kind of what I mean. And and I think to bring it back to like the star conversation, that's why I get a little worried about some of these guys. Like I, I'm not saying Embiid is not like if you're at that level. Like we've talked about this. Like. Every NBA player works harder than any of us do. Like that's just that's a fact. Um, but like, I I'm not always sold with Embiid, where it's like he, you know he has these games where he's like moody and he's just kind of like he stretches, where he's just kind of like being annoying and whatever. Um, like, I, but I, you have to play I, your whole career with Ben Simmons and James Harden, I mean, yeah, in an organization that's had a lot <laughs> of Rivers. instability. <laughs> it's not a, it, it hasn't been the greatest. Environment. Maybe a guy like Tibbs would be good for him. Maybe playing next to serious guys. Because I think 
I think that has also been a complaint he has had about guys like Ben Simmons. I don't. Think well, he wanted Butler there, there, right? He that's he why wanted, he, wanted he wanted Butler, and I think Butler liked him too. And that's why everyone yeah. thinks that in reality, like where he he will go down I ninety five, but not like he'll go down I ninety five, not up, um, and end up in Miami. But I don't know how they make that happen. Um, but the point Tyler Hero like, two first round picks. Yeah, <laughs> the poo poo platter and Duncan Robinson's contract. <laughs> God. Um. But I can't remember the last time I actually, when we faced Miami, I expected to win. I thought it would have been a horrible upset if they beat us. And I just look at them in legitimately the rearview mirror. I do not consider Miami on, on our level right now in terms of how they're set up going forward, in terms of top-end talent. Uh, like, if you told me before this year, if you, like, you asked me, are Bam and Jimmy better than Randall and Brunson? I would have said yes. Now, I'm not, I don't think... I, I will. I'll give you this. Randall's better than Bam this year, and um, and I think Jalen Brunson isn't better than Jimmy. But I mean, Jimmy Butler isn't Jimmy Butler to me anymore. Um, so Jimmy's weird. I just never. It never. It does, never computes for me in the regular season, and then he'll get to the playoffs, and you're just like, oh, okay, you're Jimmy Butler again. Got it. Cool. <laughs> so, well, we'll see if that happens again. But um, but even I mean, he, he'd have to do a lot to 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 do what Brunson's doing. Um, but, um, but that's, I mean, I think, I do think like Embiid is, I think has been a, like, I don't think Embiid is like a cat level issue where it's just like, there's just no, something no, missing not, there. Yeah. And cat seems like a really good dude for that, but I'm not trying to criticize him, but to be that guy, that's like the, like to have the personality that matches the talent that those guys have. I think Embiid is a lot closer to that than cat is. Yeah, for sure. And Embiid, like, it's not even to say Embiid's not, I don't know, man. I just, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's like. He's at that weird point for me where I'm just like, I just don't fully trust him. Like that's it. Like there's, I, I there's not much else to say. I think the I just big don't thing, the big thing is it's a seven footer who's huge, massive, whatever, with an injury history. Like he at does, I think like, the injury history the with reason. him. Is, I think the injury history with him is a little bit overblown at this point, though. To be honest, like what's his last series? He gets these weird injuries right in the playoffs, but like none of them are like soft tissue or ACL or ligaments, right? Like he, it's weird stuff. And I think he's been pretty durable actually, considering how his career started. I think he's been pretty durable the last four or five years. Um, Like I, it's not so much that, I mean, th- he is gigantic though. So you're right. Like moving into your thirties, how does that play out? But like, if you're just assessing him and let's be real, the Knicks probably have pretty decent intel on him, given that he was CA, he is CA and Leon Rose was his agent. Um, I'm sure they have pretty decent intel on him and his medical stuff, but like, it's just it's a it's a weird one for me with him. But like, I don't know something about Booker here just makes sense to me. Like, even if like if your key players are Brunson and Randall, you're gonna have to get the wrong roster for that. You probably are. Yeah, and so and that and then again, that's the tricky part. Was like, is that worth it? And I don't know. I, for Embiid, I guess like if I'm gonna gut the roster, I'd rather have him be than Booker. Like that's what I'm. Yes. About. Yeah, and I and I, I don't think that. the difference in price would be that much. I think the dif- the price would I think be virtually the same, to be honest. So, so I guess where I come down on this is like, this is kind of why I don't think the Knicks should be in any rush to trade for a star right now, because you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. Like they're a very good basketball team without having done that, and I think you can still work on the margins here. Like I like I love Obi. Obi is not a part of this team's future. He's just not. And 
Like, I think they can probably get somebody in that position. He can be a part of another team's future. He just yeah, plays the same. 100%. Way, I would say. 100%. But, like, I think, I think you can probably get a backup four that fills in for what you've been asking of Obi this season that fits into that a little bit, a, a bit better. And I think that can move the margin a little bit in your favor there. Um, Trey Lyles. You know, yeah, maybe. But, like, like RJ Barrett, obviously, again, like, if he just plays better, that's a massive fucking margin moving in your direction like that's a huge one right that's 30 minutes a night that all of a sudden who's been like i, I mean I, I really don't want to like dump on rj but like he's been your biggest net negative player this year really that's still in the rotation and so if he gets his fucking head out of his ass and puts that together like okay then is there there's just no weakness on this team one to nine one to nine because like even like for, for just this season anyway all I was gonna say is just if for just this season, I don't think the OB situation is that big of a problem. And like, I don't, he's not gonna be out there. I thought he played well yesterday, actually, in the limited minutes he played. He's definitely like, not Tatum gonna hurt cooked, us in the playoffs. He'll be a plus. Yeah. yeah. And like, Tatum cooked him on one drive, but then the next time down, they tried to hunt Obi, and I think Obi blocked him. So, like, like he he's, you know, he's not some like just bum out there. So, um, for this one season, I mean, like, let's see. Hopefully, RJ gets his shit together. Cause if RJ gets his shit together, like, I don't know, man. I have, the more and more games that we're winning and some of the teams we're beating, it's... Some of the margins? And the, yeah, and the league is... This is the most parody I think I've ever, I can ever remember in the league. And this isn't, this isn't like using parody as a, <laughs> like a, a euphemism for lack of quality around the league. I think the quality around the league is high. But there's so much talent and it's so spread around, especially in the East. Like, I mean... Forget if you don't think we're a title contender, which I don't really yet. Um, that's fine, but like you're adding top, yet, we were not adding that for most of the season, right? Right. And so, yeah. like, and I think like, but like the top four teams in the East to me are all title contenders. I don't love Cleveland's chances, but I also think like they do have a chance. Like, I don't love Philly's chances, but I do think they definitely have a chance. Boston and Milwaukee are for sure title contenders to me. Like, it's. Again, like you're the Knicks are in a good spot. I I don't think they need to. They should be patient. One thing this front office has done, and they've been rewarded for it, is operate with patience. I would probably still try to hold off on making a big splash for a star for another year. I, I still am not ready to make that move yet. If but so, so what I what I'm, what I'm what I'm actually asking is. Let's say you can get Barrett. You, you move Barrett and Toppin, right? You feel like Barrett's playing well, but he's on a big contract, and we could probably find a guy for cheaper. Um, you know, maybe even get back and ask whatever you think, right? Let's say, they, like, what do you think they could get for RJ and Obi this offseason? RJ and Obi. I mean, I I don't know. I genuinely like, have no whatever, idea. I mean, because you look at my 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 question is if they replace those guys instead of making the the Booker move. Uh, and first of all, like I'll add on Obi, like if if it was if it made sense for Obi to just accept a backup role and be like, yeah, I'm fine, like give me like MLE or like less five six million dollars, whatever it is, and I'm happy being playing twelve minutes a game. If all parties were happy, I don't I don't think that would be a problematic situation at all. It's just that's not sustainable or a valuable use of any kind of resources, including his. Um, but if they were to trade for you know, a guy like uh, like like Bain or a guy like um, you know uh, in that mold. Um, you know, 
do you think that could put them over the top without getting like an all-star level player? Like, is there a guy out there? Maybe they don't have to trade RJ either, but is there a move? Is there another Josh Hart type move that could put them over this team over the top? Or do you think eventually they're going to have to make a trade for someone like Booker? Uh, try to think like what kind of wings, um, I do think it I mean, OG is the one that comes to mind, but I, I know you're not a huge fan. Yeah, that, he doesn't do much for me because he can't dribble. Um, I don't know. It's Bain, so but I don't think I would imagine Bane is basically untouchable. Yeah. Bane's probably not. You're not he's not gettable. Um, uh, his teammate Dylan Brooks? <laughs> no, God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking... Oh my God! I mean, he's this guy isn't gettable, and I'm not sure like how good he really is. He's definitely good, but I'm not sure what his true level is. Is like Andrew Wiggins, like that maybe moves any. If if he's the guy he was last year for the Warriors, and that's like the true representation of what his level is right now, he is probably he probably moves the needle. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I would say that type of player helps. Um, do you think they, and do you think like the moves from now on going forward are going to keep being those kinds of vet pieces or adding assets? Or do you think they maybe take another Cam Reddish type chance? You know, or do you think like the days of like them taking a chance on maybe young players who hasn't, who hasn't, it hasn't clicked for yet, but you know, in our environment, we could develop them. Do you think like they're kind of moved past that point? Or, I mean, so the Cam Rudders thing is very specific, right? So, what you basically need to be looking at is guys from the 2021 draft heading into this offseason into next year. I still think they might make that chance, but I think if they do it, they'll probably be smarter about it. And by smarter about it, I mean like make sure it's a guy that Tibbs is on board with. Um, and and quite frankly, like but not bones, <laughs> not bones, definitely not bones. Please, God, don't subject me to that. Um, but like, <laughs> it's it's also like they've established now a very clear identity and culture. We, as we talked about, like it's important that anybody you bring in is part of that and has a, and and fits into that type of mold. So like you you look at like the twenty twenty one draft, right? That's kind of like the, the class you would be looking at when you're talking about guys moving into that third year of their career or in the third year of their career, as Cam Reddish was when we traded for him. I mean, here's just some names thrown out there. I'm not even advocating for any of these guys. Um, Ringa. Franz is untouchable. Yeah. Uh, Giddy? Giddy they would only use in a star trade. Duarte? Uh, I'm not a big Duarte fan. I think he's been playing better lately, though. So maybe that's a guy. I know they know that. I don't they, think that's. Yeah. I don't think that meets the criteria of like a Josh Hart level move, right? Like, I don't yeah. think that would choose us that level. Kispert, I don't know. Uh, Kispert, I, I mean, he's Primo. Uh, if he's learned to tuck it away, maybe. Could be a yeah, high I'm good. But like that—that that automatically just like I—I'm off. Like no, like don't no, I. I I think people deserve second chances, but like that's not one I'm willing to well, give. How come, definitely to give. How can Jock and Flash his gun in public, but Primo? Trey <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Murphy the third? I don't know. I think he's become very. He's probably close to untouchable. Yeah, dude. I think New Orleans likes him a lot. 
Yeah, I think they like him a lot, and I also think he's overrated. Um, Jalen Johnson's probably an interesting one. I I don't know how much he's been playing, but like it seems to be another OB type situation where he's just like buried behind good players. But there's talent there. There is talent there. I do think he's a little bit more of a natural. Like, not to say OB is a four, but it's like he's very unique. OB, like he's just really a very unique player. I think Jalen Johnson is a little bit more, not cookie cutter, but like he's a bit more translatable maybe. He'd be an interesting one for me. Um, I don't know. After that, I'm like, I mean, Jaden Springer, probably not. Uh, I like Usman Gruba still. Um, oh, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you a guy who I, I'll give you a guy who I would like to try and buy low on if possible. Bones Highland? Um, no, not Bones Highland. This is not a guy who, many people will probably care about, uh, but I think he would actually be like a very nice little fit for us is um, Mr. John Conchar. I like Conchar. I think he's a very interesting player. He's been an efficient player. He's not a high usage guy, kind of similar issues to Hart in that sense. Um, He's been a pretty good three point shooter throughout his career, 38.8% for his career. Um, not a high volume guy, but he does shoot it well when he does hit it. Uh, he's been a pretty consistent plus on the court for his career on court plus plus 5.1 on off plus 2.0. Um, and I like with him is he plays different positions. Like he's a pretty good two, three swing man. I would not really mind. good event generator. He's yeah. Fancy. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's a guy I would like. You know his contract is awesome, which is why, like, ultimately, I don't think he's somebody that Memphis would trade. He's basically this is his contract, okay? Just check this out: two point three million this year, two point four million next year, six point one six five million the year after that, six and it's six point one six five million for three years after that each year. That's a great contract. Um, so you're probably not going to get him, but he's he is a, that type of guy where you're what you're talking about is like a slow margin move that flies into the radar but could have an outsized impact on your team. He's somebody who kind of I've I, I would be very into that. So if I mean, we were to get he, someone sorry. I was gonna say like a guy who probably doesn't make sense for us positionally, um, but who I think teams should be targeting this offseason, uh, is like Austin Reeves. I think he's like yeah. very undervalued probably by the general public, but um he's an interesting player. Uh all right, we're gonna we're gonna keep going, but I gotta do this. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard. The, like the type of, the Josh Hart thing was, it seemed, it's it was like, it's obvious now. But when we were talking about leading up to deadline, right? Like we were talking about. Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, whatever. I don't think we talked much about Josh Hart. So sometimes, like, there's an obvious answer out there staring you in the face, and you just don't see it until it happens. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So if we were to make it, but do you think that kind of a move, maybe not Conchar exactly, could with this team could put the put us over the top? Maybe. I mean, if you're talking about the type of player, like very specific archetype that I think could put us over the top, would be like a four that Tibbs trusts enough to play Randall at the five more often. Because that alignment could probably potential or has the potential to to just give us a look that is very problematic for other teams to deal with. Um, so, like, I know, I mean, people are talking about this in our Discord. So, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Do you think, you know, looking at the draft, the Knicks, the, the Knicks, uh, you know, their draft pick gets better every day. Every time that Kyrie Irving steps on the floor, good things happen for the Knicks in the draft. Um, shout out Kyrie Irving for not helping improve the Knicks <laughs> at all. Uh, do you like a guy like Taylor Hendricks as the type of yes. as a guy that makes sense for that mold? Yes. Um, I actually just recorded a pod with uh, our friend Prez uh, for Draft Strickland where uh, I said on the pod, and I'll say it here, that is my, of the realistic guys the Knicks can get, that is my top option. Um, they do not have a guy that can protect the rim and hit threes at the same time, period. Uh, that is a very rare skill to find. So that's not, I'm not saying that's the be all end all. What I am saying is, those are the, like, in the draft, I'm especially looking, this is why I've wanted a wing for a long time. It's like when you talk, talk about six, nine guys who can guard multiple positions and shoot, those guys just don't end up being available. Um, either for reasonable trades or like OG Ananobi is not even a perfect version of that player. Like, and they're asking for three first round picks or whatever. Um, so that's one archetype. But the other archetype, yeah, is, is tall guys who can protect the rim and shoot the Jaron Jackson Jr. mold. And Taylor Hendricks fits that. He's super young. His shooting indicator, like he legitimately has elite shooting indicators for being 6'10". Uh, he's shooting 41% from three on almost five attempts per game. Really 80% from the free throw line on a heavy volume. Um, like, you know, generates steals, generates blocks, has the agility to defend out on the perimeter. Um, would Tibbs trust him next year to play, play next to Randall at the four? Probably not. Maybe in year two or three, though. He is that level. He has the potential to be that level of defender, like a Jared. Like, you know, the ceiling could be something like Jared Vanderbilt, except with um, with better rim protection and a three point, and like a really good three point shot. Like, he, this is not like he can shoot for a big guy. Kind of, this is like he's he's a shooter, uh, and he's a really athletic shot blocker. Like, those are just those are very just. If nothing else changes, we talked about this too. Like, if that's all he is, like if he never learns to put the ball on the floor. Or like do anything more than like rudimentary straight line attacks and closeouts. That still gives you to what you were alluding to with Randall. That enables you to do so much more with your lineups um, and allows him to have so much of an impact. That um, yeah. So the TLDR is Taylor Hendricks of the guys the Knicks could potentially get is 100% my top choice. By the way, and I want to just mention this real quick since we talked, but we didn't really talk about it too much. I think Tibbs deserves a lot of credit for last night. Um, Going with Randall at the five because Hardenstein, like he's, we've seen him go with Randall at the five. Usually, it's when he's shorthanded or um, the center options that somebody's in. There's a lot of foul trouble going on, right? Or very, very situationally for like specific isolated possessions at the end of a game. I, I thought he deserved a lot of credit for going with Randall at the five at various points yesterday when we weren't in foul trouble because Hart, like he could have brought Hardenstein back in. He didn't. He he 
went with that small ball look for a bit, and um, he deserves credit for that. And actually, that's the type of thing. Again, this the, that shows like one actual very serious growth from him as a coach at a but point is, where I think, yeah, exactly. Growth. But it but it's it it says a lot about him, and that's a big credit to him. Um, but it's also like it it kind of makes me think that yeah maybe it is worth it to try and draft a guy like that. Whereas previously I'd have been like, well, it doesn't matter. He's not going to play Randall to five anyway. Maybe that's not true. Um, like, you know, you talked about Taylor Hendricks. Are there any other, you know, the draft is kind of like, and this is kind of my general belief with this team is I think we're still better served looking to the draft to try and find the type of dudes that can push margins in our favor. And so Taylor Hendricks, obviously, you know this, I'm not, I don't do any draft sh- shit anymore. So I haven't watched, I've watched probably like 10 minutes of college basketball this year. Um, but like, are there any other types like that that you like? I mean, I know that before the season you were into, um, was it Clell Ware, who is, is not quite that. He's just a weird dude. I know he's in, hasn't had he's a center. Season. He's a pure center yeah. for one thing. So, yeah. What about like somebody like Chris Murray? Yeah, so would Chris Murray allow – so Chris Murray, um, Tyrese has been saying that is the Walt Perrin pick. Um, I'll also preface this by saying if you're really interested in this topic, definitely check out the pod that I'm about to drop with Prez as well. Um, we we talked a lot. This was basically the main subject of the pod. Um, Chris Murray is like – like, do you, I mean, I guess I'll put – let me put this back to you. How much do you think Keegan – I really like his games. game. Keegan? Well, I, I love Keegan. I absolutely fucking love Keegan. And I think Keegan's actually pretty underrated. Like, he's not a great defender, but I don't think he's, like, he's not why their defense is not very good. I think he's, like, a pretty But do you think defender. Keegan allows them to feel more comfortable playing Sabonis at the five more? I think having Keegan and Barnes does. Like, they're is, both that's kind what of you're talking wings. About. Yeah. You're kind of talking about the same thing with Randall. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think Hart um, having Hart, I think Tibbs is like if you get if you give him that that one other guy, I think he would he's a lot more likely to go with Randall at the five at times. That's that's probably the best way to put it. Then my answer would be yeah, because Chris Murray can do his job at the four, and he's he's got more mobility and switchability than a guy like Obi. Like he's not, um, you know, we're not talking about uh, some like uber switchable. Like he's not Franz Wagner or something, but he's like a very he's a switchy four. With agility, he could probably guard two through four at a reasonable level. Um, he's a good help defender, very smart player. Like like his brother shows up extremely well in all impact stats. Like he's just he's gonna be ready to like if you want someone to just come in and like do what you said, like fill in that OB role and be happy with it. And he will be because he's not up for extension for a couple years anyway, so he has time to kind of make his case. Uh, you know, be happy with 14, 15 minutes a game, come in, hit a couple of threes, move without the ball, um, you know, like have like a positive stint and then and then he's he's going to be that guy and like the upside of his he probably doesn't have as much upside as his brother because his brother as you probably noticed has really great shot versatility and he showed it in college oh my god uh, he's like so better fucking good chris murray is going to be a little bit more like he's not the movement shooter his brother is he's gonna but he is a really good shooter like give him a spot up and he's six eight so like that's still going to have a good amount of gravity like it's going to demand good closeouts so um you know, he's still a really good shooter. It's just not quite the level of volume and movement that his brother is. But um, it's like the boring pick, but he's probably going to last the league 10 to 15 years 
as a plus rotation player. And um, and yeah, like that that it is kind of it's the same like how to if you think that having his brother on Sacramento makes them more comfortable, especially with Harrison Barnes playing Sabonis at the five. I think you're talking about something similar to that here, and I think that would um, that would work. Uh, and yeah. then, sorry, good. No, no, I was just going to ask you. Like, so, Chris Murray is. I'm just looking at Tank because I'm real quick. He's 22 and a half years old. Does that worry yeah. you at all, or do you actually think that there's some upside there with him, even though he's an older prospect? No, I mean, one, you try not to do this. I, I mean, I try not to. I would imagine NBA offices shamelessly do it. Like he has an identical twin who has a very similar game, having a good amount of success in the NBA. And if the 22-year-old thing, once you're out of the lottery at pick 17, I think it actually, the, the tendencies flip a little bit. Um, so I, that what wouldn't concern me. I, I don't know that he has the upside to be an on-ball creator. But at this point in the draft, one, I don't think you're finding that. So if that was like, like there's guys like Turk Ravion Swift, but what, I, I'm not what if prioritizing I told you... Turk what if I told you the Knicks drafted Emmanuel quickly with the 25th pick? <laughs> well, I would say that I would say that we probably don't need another Emmanuel quickly. Um, there is a guy actually in the guard mold, but he's 6'6". The only guy I would think of as a guard is Jalen Hitch, you know, who I would take, and I would probably play him at the three. Um, but going back to your question on the fours, so there's Chris Murray. If you're looking at Tankathon, so Kyle Filipowski is a guy Prez really likes. He, I, I watched Duke. I watched like five minutes of a Duke game. Filipowski, he 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 popped. He looks good. Yeah, and when someone likes when Schwinn likes a white guy from Duke, you know that uh, they really have game because that's not something we are inclined to do here. Exactly. Um, no, it's um, <laughs> he's got a he's got an interesting. I mean, he's just like um, you know, if you do all these queries. He pops as a guy with a very unusual profile. Hits a lot of threes, blocks shots, gets a lot of steals and rebounds, um, and um, and so like he like as a, he has the shooting to be able to kind of space the floor for Randall, but he's also a pretty good rebounder. So if Randall does get a little you know reverts to some of the bad habits on, on the glass. He can do that. He's got some connective ability, and he's an events generator on defense. Uh, he doesn't give you exactly rim like he's not going to be a rim protector, um, but like he can contest. He's in the right space, and, he, and he, even like he he has long arms and, and a good frame. So he's another guy you could consider. And I think like I, I think Prez is a little bit higher in his agility than I am, uh, but he's um you know don't let the white guy from Duke thing fool you. Like he's he's athletic enough probably to like to to be better than a guy like Obi on defense if nothing else. So. And when I say athletic, I'm talking more agile, agility, and like movement skills. Uh, he can get up, but like you know, not like not an Obi Top level at, like vertical athlete. But he's pretty agile. Can move well. Probably isn't going to be switching on to guys like John Morant, but like should be able to defend a lot of wings and be a good help defender. So, um, and then the two other guys that I'm just again, uh, I'm just looking and just off on this. What do you think of um, both? Just they just look on the surface like similar type mold. Uh, Gigi Jackson and uh, Leonard Miller. Interesting. So you skipped Noah Clowney, who I'll throw in as a bonus. But I'm talking about yeah, Gigi Jackson. Gigi Jackson for on purpose? <laughs> no, I didn't. It was just I just saying I I did skip him. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's um. Gigi Jackson is 
a very talented player who hasn't put it together yet. Uh, he's a really good shot creator, but he's inefficient right now. He's a like really just a non-existent playmaker. Um, you're betting on the fact that the guy has shown elite movement and shot creation ability and handle and those kind of tools at six nine. Um, and you're just betting that with development, when it clicks, it's going to be a nuclear upside. It is not the kind of pick the Knicks have made in recent years. Um, and then when you're talking about Leonard Miller, so Miller was a guy who last year everyone was looking at him in this like big wing archetype, right? Six six ten with some ball skills. Everyone loves to throw out KD comparisons and all that. He was super young. Uh, this year is actually, and, he, and then when you actually watched him play and he came to the combine, it was pretty clear like he wasn't ready. Uh, he's actually doing a good job in the G League. He's become an improved rebounder. He's really become good in a transition. And his shot has started to be a little bit more of a weapon. Um, he's not like that big wing creator that everyone's, um, you know, everyone craves from that position. But that doesn't mean those kind of players, one, you can't grow into that in time, but as far as like an off-ball wing who can slash a little bit, maybe hit some open threes, you know, give you a little bit maybe of what Trey Murphy is giving New Orleans. In that mold, there's some upside, and that's still a very valuable player. I do not think he can play the four for at least like two years. He's pretty skinny um, to the point that even if you do have Randall out there with him, I'm not sure I'd be thrilled about that. And the third name I'll add that a lot of people ask about is Noah Clowney. So of the group of, of everyone we've mentioned, besides um, besides Taylor Hendricks, Clowney is probably the best defender. Uh, he's a very good shot blocker and very switchable. So he's, as a defensive prospect, he's close to Hendricks, if not on that level. A lot of people would put him on that level. I'd probably give Hendricks a slight edge, but it's very close. And Clowney has more consistently played higher level competition. Uh, the difference is Clowney like, takes a lot of threes, but he's shooting like 28%, I think. He's also not a good free throw shooter. Um, and he's like a smart passer, but, um, you know, and his, his impact is good. But like his offensive game is still, it is intriguing skills that haven't been put together. Not on the level of like a Gigi Jackson, but yeah, like he's, he, the, the offensive game isn't there. So if you took him, you'd be betting on the fact that it, it'd be like, my comparison for him is a little bit like um, what Jeremy Grant was in college, where he was a super, an athletic wing um with switchability you could play at the four but just on offense there was just nothing there you had to build it out um but gg jackson like right now there's just it's all development he'd probably be a guy who would drive tibbs nuts um but um but if it clicks like and he turns by year three into the kind of win creator he's shown the talent to be that is going to be a steal for someone um i, I i'm really interested to see where he goes if he goes to the right development place uh, he's also, and it's worth noting, South Carolina is not a good situation. So how much of that is on him? How much of that is on his coach? I don't know. Um, but, um, but, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts on those guys. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, this, there seems, it seems like the Knicks will at least have that type of option available to them on the board um, wherever they pick. Right now, I think that pick is, let me just look it up real quick. Uh, right now, the Knicks, 17. Uh, they don't, yeah, 17. There's a chance. I think they are that, supposed, they are getting Clowney, right? According to the mock. Uh, not Clowney, uh, Hendricks, Hendricks. Murray. 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 They have Murray now right now. Murray. They had uh, Hendricks at one point. I think Prez is pretty convinced for what it's worth that Taylor Hendricks, for pretty obvious reasons, when you consider he's a shot blocking sniper, uh, will probably not be there at 17. So, 
I think I, I think Murray is going to be there, and he just fits like a lot yeah. of the type of things that they have. The draft, like established baseline of production, they don't mind guys that are older, right? His shooting, I I'm sure that whatever shooting drills they put him through, he's going to fucking absolutely light that up. Um, yeah. I mean, is it? Could you argue that Murray's the best shooter in the draft? No, I would not. Who's the because I take into account versatility. Uh, it's probably Grady Dick. There's a there's a really good shooting draft. First of all, um, Grady Dick I think would be the consensus answer. Uh, I would go if not him. There's a guy named Jordan Hawkins from UConn who is shooting forty percent from three, but he's putting up like seventeen three point attempts for a hundred. Uh, UConn, crazy, yeah, UConn. Uh, seventeen. I mean, crazy, crazy numbers. Um, I would probably say Jed. I, I would take Jed Howard as a shooter over Chris Murray, um, especially when you look at the versatility. Um, but you know, anyone who wants to call me biased, feel free to do so. Just one guy's opinion. Um, but Can he Jed I mean, Howard rebound? rebound. Does he ever do that? No. Right now, he is. Um, he he, and he doesn't guard three point shooters. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, I, uh, that's a tough one, but I mean, he's, it doesn't matter. He's like he's six eight, and he shoots the lights out, and he can score at three yeah. levels. So it's not going to matter. Um, so, so to answer your question, but I think that in another draft, he might have been a, a top three shooter. In this draft, he's a top five shooter, top six shooter, maybe. Uh, there's just a lot of good ones. Um, like the guys I would for sure put above him are Grady Dick, um, Brandon Miller. Um, Jet, although Jet, it's probably pretty close, and 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 Hawkins, and then um, yeah, like is Chris? I, I, I would, I think Chris Murray and Hendricks are probably similar levels of shooter right now, but I think Hendricks is also much younger, and he's nineteen, so that plays into it a little bit, I guess. Interesting. Uh, um, and then there is another guy, just as a bonus. Sorry, if the Knicks don't go for a four. There is a guy named Maxwell Lewis who I like a lot, whose star has faded a little bit because he plays at Pepperdine and they haven't been playing very well. Really good events generator on defense, smart team defender. Uh, he's been playing on ball. He's like a really crafty, shifty guy who can create space. Um, probably isn't going to be an on-ball creator in the, in the league, but like he's played that role in college. So like as a secondary scorer and ball handler, I think he has a lot of... Um, <laughs> like a lot of potential and then he can shoot and he's a really smart defender. That is also a player of the type that the Knicks have targeted, but he's also six foot seven. He can play the three and, uh, and who knows, maybe with some strength can uh, you Prez would probably get really mad if I said this, but maybe could play the four a little bit too. So that's another kind of swing position where, um, you know, maybe it's not the position that unlocks RJ at the five, but maybe that unlocks, you know, be able to play RJ at the four or something like that. Right. So, uh, if you have a defender that you trust there or playing hard at the four. So, uh, and, and if nothing else, they don't have a lot of those six, seven wings. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say before we get out of here, uh, I did want to mention that Marcus Smart is the most fucking annoying player in the entire NBA. Uh, watching him last night was infuriating. Just flopping constantly. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous watching him. It was like, I don't even know what that was. He's just, and he gets to play by all these, like, it's a foul that Randall turned into him while his face is like, I mean, if you put your face next to my fucking shoulder, yeah, I, I might 
turn like I might hit you. That's just how it works. Like I, I, I don't understand how some of those things were fouls. And, and I mean, I could not believe they were reviewing that fucking one for a hostile act. Like, what are we doing here? Are you kidding me? Like, he's trying to make a jump pass. Like, of course his fucking legs are going to kick out a little bit. Come on, give me a break. Um, I, I, again, credit to Julius for not getting tossed yesterday because there were multiple moments where I was like, I mean, last year he gets tossed from that game, no question. There's no question about it that he gets tossed last year uh, in that game. So I just can't. Marcus Smart is a fucking miserable, miserable <laughs> player to watch. And I I can't even. He's, he was terrible last night, too, by the way. I mean, his shooting was atrocious. <laughs> and he can't defend guards anymore. He's, like, not quick enough. Quickly just destroyed him a cooked few times. On, yeah, absolutely cooked him. And I'm like, defensive player of the year, really? I mean, he's better defending now guarding wings and, and bigs. Than he is guards. Uh, it's not surprising that Steph totally torched them last year, because smartness. I mean, if he's he had fairness, no I'm not sure that I'm not sure that prime Gary Payton could have guarded Manuel quickly last night. So it's uh, true. Uh, well, prime Gary Payton would have uh, he would have just like tackled him probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, also that heart play yesterday was fucking awesome when he like he basically like tackled Tatum. And then pushed Jalen Brown in the back. That was like, you know what though? Like that's that's kind of what I was getting at with the with the Deuce thing, and why I, I didn't have a problem with him just playing Emmanuel quickly. That was a fucking. That was like a yesterday. That game was really. It felt like a fucking war. It was just super physical. I and I thought the refs, aside from the weird Marcus Smart stuff, I thought the refs actually did a pretty good job yesterday, across, across the board. A lot better than Miami. Oh God, that was. I mean that Miami game. We didn't even talk about it, but like, man, what a Julius! I mean, Julius Does that say how how crazy it is that like we're like two days removed from a crazy buzzer beater, and we we didn't even talk about it? That's like that's that's how insane the Celtics game was. Yeah, I mean that that you're talking about like probably maybe their two biggest craziest wins of the season, but like, man, that Miami game, Julius was fucking again like. Again, you're on the you're on the floor with Bam, who I think you're you've always been really high on Bam, um, Butler, who is obviously just Jimmy Butler, like, and Randall gave both of them work. Like he, that's probably the best. I, I think that's his best game as a as a Nick. Probably the best game of his career. Um, he he destroyed them, and he made clutch shots down the stretch. Obviously not, and not just the buzzer beater, right? Like that and one he gets on the baseline spin move on on Bam is like that. That's like a that's like a prime mellow shot. That was an incredible shot. Um, I did enjoy Bam trying to flop and get an offensive foul <laughs> call there. Um, but, you know, Julius was, he was incredible in that game. And, and it was just big shot for big shot. Brunson goes down, kind of tweaks his ankle. He comes back in the game. He had 25 points on 14 shots with eight assists, one turnover. And, like, he's like an afterthought. That's how good Julius was in that game. He was fucking amazing. Yeah, it's... um just, I mean, yeah, and like his shot making. I think it's like I really do think a lot of it. I, I I rarely see him pump fake out of threes anymore, and if he does, it's like it's a straight into a downhill drive. I rarely see like the pump fake where he sh- a should shoot it and then b turns it into either an ill fated post up from twenty feet out or like the or like a stupid crossover into a spin. Or, um, or just like two dribbles into like the mellow, uh, pull up 20 footer. Like he doesn't do that anymore. Um, and I think a lot, so now he's taking a lot more of those threes with confidence. I do want to ask you this. 
Is it fair to say, so I was not going to tweet this after that Miami game because I'm not an idiot and I was too happy, but the Knicks were down one with about 15 seconds, 20 seconds left. Mm. Safe to say that wasn't how you really wanted that possession to go until he took the shot. Um, and Josh Hart was, now I'm not putting this on Grandel. He was on a heater and he got a look over hero, right? And, but Hart did end up coming open. And it was clear that the, the heat had keyed in on um, on Randall and and Brunson, and um, and down the fourth quarter, even yesterday against Boston, like they had a lead and and they kind of bogged down a little bit on offense. Do you still have some of those one? Do you still have some of those concerns about late game offense, even with healthy Brunson and Randall clearly being both pretty talented scorers? And B, you know, we we kind of you know early in the season, Fred Katz had that article about randomness in close games and, and how many blown leads there are. And it seems like the Knicks have been on the positive side of that equation much more. Do you kind of revisit where I think at the time both of us were like, yeah, I don't know if that explains it all. Like it definitely seems like there's, there's some patterns in, in you know late game management, both coaching as well as just the team skill set that is causing this. So those two things I'll ask, like one, given like the last two games wasn't still wasn't great offense on the stretch. Are you concerned at all? And two, if not, or if either way, are you real willing, you know, do you think that Fred Katz article sticks a little bit more clear, especially now that the randomness has maybe swung our way a little bit more? Okay. Um, so one, I would say uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit concerned about the end game offense, but I think, I think that, why I have, why I still don't think that Kat's article in that moment in time was accurate is because I think Tibbs is coaching a lot better. Um, I think he's moving, mar- he's tilting margins that he was losing earlier in the season because he's been more proactive about making certain lineup decisions, rotation decisions. Uh, he's been more willing to sit RJ Barrett or sit Quentin Grimes and not go back to them when he. Like he, he's willing to trust an Emmanuel quickly and a Josh Hart. Um, and, and to go back to the Hart thing specifically, I just think Grimes should have been in, in that situation, but I, he couldn't have made, he couldn't make a sub. They were in a timeout. I get that. Um, I would have put Grimes in for Hart though out of, at that free, because th- Hero had free throws before that, right? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Hero, no, he, no, Hero made a layup. He made a layup. So they, they, there was no stoppage to bring in Grimes, but like it's just a situation where I get that Hart was open. But I also get that in that situation, if I'm Julius, I'm not going to give it to Hart. Just not going to. Like, I, I don't trust him enough as a shooter in that situation. He's shooting like 8,000% right now from three. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But I he's more – from the corners. Sure. And, and Julius was on a heater. So, like, yeah. that is understandable. You have Hero on you. It's just before that with the steel and Jimmy and all that. Yeah, like, was that was where you get a little tense, right? So Yeah, and, and so, like, that to me is where, like, I don't – Randall isoing tops. And, that, and that's not a Randall criticism. I'm not even sure it's a Tibbs criticism. It's just it felt like that possession wasn't what you want. Right? So. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like Randall having to operate off the dribble at the from the top of the key, especially not in these end of game situations. Um, I get that Brunson Brunson had had a fucked up possession before that, so whatever. But like, I'm just gonna go to Brunson there. Um, and they tried, and right? Look, I think he got cut off, yeah. so that's why he gave it to Randall. Yeah, so I get it. Like, it, it's just. 
So am I still concerned about it? Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. I think every NBA fan is concerned about their team's end game offense. I've never, I've never heard a fan be like, "Yeah, no, I'm not worried about it at all. I love our end game offense." Uh, 90s Bulls fan. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe them. But like, I- I'm still worried about it. But I have a lot more faith based on what I've seen from Tibbs, quite frankly, and obviously from Brunson and from Randall, and now from Quickly. Like, we have enough shot creation that you're always going to have stretches where you bog down not just in the fourth quarter, in any quarter, but I think we have enough pure shot creation on this team to overcome that. Um, and if quickly is playing at this level, like you have a lot more options now to mismatch hunt. And um, that's something that I think has a ton of value, not just for this team or for any team, but um, especially for us, given kind of like how we run our offense. So um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me, just defensive rebounding. Please just clean up defensive rebounding. Yesterday was another bad defensive rebounding game, especially down the stretch that nearly cost us the game. But like generally, we've improved, especially since Hart got here. Just have to keep that up. Um, that's the big thing. Just end possessions. End possessions. That's the key. Um, but yeah, man, what a fucking week. Uh, just beat down Boston. Absolutely destroy Brooklyn. Uh, and then you come out with two two point victories on the road against you know at Miami and at Boston. It's a fucking phenomenal week for this team. And um, yeah, man, I mean they're what are they now since December fourth? Like fucking twenty seven and fifteen or something? Uh, twenty seven yeah, and fourteen? No, they're twenty eight and fourteen. Twenty eight and fourteen. Like that's this is an incredible ride they're on. And uh, fifty five game pace over full season. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is Yeah, I mean awesome. and looking ahead looking ahead, I mean, is fifty games even out of the question? Uh they got the Hornets tomorrow, which I imagine is gonna be close because <laughs> they just played a million minutes in a very emotionally draining games and I wouldn't blame them for not getting up for PJ Washington. Oh Lamelo. I think this 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 will help. I think I think Brunson plays tomorrow. I think that'll help them a lot. Yeah. Um you you mug I don't, we'll see, I'd be very curious to see if quickly gets load managed tomorrow. If anyone's kind of earned that, it's him. Uh, the Kings, that'll be a fun game. I'm actually really, I haven't watched the Kings, but I've, I've watched the Kings a good amount. Um, but, um, you know, that's like the, the two redemption stories this year. That'll be fun. Um, but I think, you know, I think they can beat the Hornets. They get the Clippers at home, which um, the Clippers have been tough for them. I think they can win that. Uh, they get the Lakers at home. I think they should win that, even on a back-to-back. They're just better than those two teams right now. They should be Portland. They go. I mean, the only game left that they have that I'm just like, all right, I would expect them to lose is going to Denver. Like Minnesota. No, no, Denver. Well. Denver comes to Denver comes to the Garden, but it's still if Jokic plays, they've he's destroyed us every single time. He's oh, you know what? Harder. They have it. They have it backwards on Google. They show yeah. the team versus first. If 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 the Knicks beat Denver. I'm I'm just gonna be like, yep, they are a contender this year. They are like if, if with maybe Denver, yeah, then then they're a contender. That's just that's just that's just the facts. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, so they have the uh, road trip to LA. That'll be tough. Back to back road trip. So that so I don't know. I, I mean, do you think fifty wins is in play though? I guess that's the question. I mean, they just got to go what eleven and five down the stretch. Yeah, and um, I mean the toughest it's games not- are Cavs, Heat, that back to back in LA. Wolves and Nuggets. It's and not Kings. out of the question. Kings are really it's, yeah, it it will it will it will be hard, but it's not out of the question. 
games, right? Like, I, it's it's in play, right? Like, I mean, they've won nine in a row. Again, they're on a 55-win pace. Like, why can't they go 11 or 5? They, they could go 11 and 5. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, the I last time I thought their schedule was prohibitive, they did <laughs> this. Like, like a, it wasn't right before the beginning of the stretch, but right when Mitch went out, I was like, I was legit. Like, are are we? Is it time to start looking at the lottery right now? Um, and uh, and that's right when everything turned around. So, well, that's that's when we started not just being good at offense because we're great at offensive rebounding. That was when everybody in the team was like, okay, let's shoot really well from the field. Let's do that. Um, and look, and la- last thing, I'll actually ask you this because kind of we were talking about with quickly not being worried about being pulled. Do you think the fact that Hartenstein knew that he kind of had to play for better or worse with Mitch out gave him maybe a little bit more comfort and allowed him to find his role? Like, and now he's just comfortable because he's found it even with Mitch back. But curious if you think, like, because it, it seemed like it wasn't a coincidence that right when Mitch went out, like Hartenstein really picked up his play. Yeah, I mean, I I think it definitely helped him. Um, it it speaks to the same kind of thing as, as quickly, right? Where it's like if you know you're going to play a lot. Sometimes it it helps get you into a rhythm because you're not looking over your shoulder, right? Um, like Derek Rosa, that quote, right? Where he, they asked him, like, "Do you have any advice for the young guys with Tibbs?" And he's just like, "Yeah, when you fuck up, just like don't look over at him, <laughs> like just don't look over there." Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that definitely helped on his for sure. Um, it's probably not a coincidence that he all of a sudden picked up right right when that happened. So yeah, um, it's great, man. Make sure in a good spot. Seem to be heading in the right direction, not just for this season, but long-term, and it's fun as hell to watch this team. Uh, all right, I think it's a good place to wrap up. Stacy, let the people know where they can find you, and uh, plug anything that you'd like to plug. Uh, you can find me at Stacy Patton 89 I'll plug that episode I did, Draft Strickland with Prez. Um, check it out if you get a chance. Um, and check it out from now, the, the comfortable position of being a good team that can... Uh, that still has a pick because of other teams, the generosity of other teams. So that's a, that's it's a much more wonderful position to follow the draft than, than just being shitty and being like, come on, is this the year the ping pong balls go our way? I mean, it's so funny too, because they're like, they could actually still technically end up with two first round picks in this draft if the Wizards make the playoffs. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't know if they want. I don't think they want that. So that'll be interesting. But all right. Anyway, that's our pod for today. I have nothing to plug. I'm just going to plug all the work that Strickland. Uh, Matthew Miranda has been fucking crushing it on the recaps. Please check those out. Uh, all the. Oh, and I have a pod drop with him too. Sorry. Yeah. Nice. There's yeah, another yeah, believe pod coming out. He's been crushing it on the pods too. So check that out. Plug that. Yep. Uh, again, check out all the merchandise that we have, that we've been posting up. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you already haven't. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram if you already haven't. Uh, we have all kinds of new content coming out there. Uh, check out Draft Strickland, all of the work on the site, uh, articles, whatever. That is our pop for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and uh, I will see you on Friday. Peace.